Hey everyone, Dr. Z, welcome to the show. VP Vinay Prasad back in the house. What's up, Doc? It's good to be back. It's Dude, good to be back. It's not good for me to be back. I'll tell you why, man. <laughs> so I went and got Moderna dose two yesterday, four weeks apart. And I'm like, the first one was a piece of cake. A little sore arm, little Fauci ouchie, they call it. Fauci ouchie. I don't know why they're giving Fauci credit for the vaccine, though. It's like, <laughs> I know, he didn't another, really do too much. That not that much. Yeah. Uh, so I have the Fauci ouchie, then I get this one. Okay, I get it at noon. By about 8 p.m., I'm getting ready to go to, you know, put the kids to bed and do all this. I start feeling terrible. Mm. Like my arm is throbbing, my head starts hurting, and I start having chills. And I'm like, oh, here we go. Number two, dude, all night, awake. Wow. Just febrile, 101.5, like just you know, achy. And it was it's like having a bad cold or a flu without any of the congestion or cough. I see. But the thing is, so much of it is how you, so all day today too, same thing right now, I feel like crap. But it's framed in your mind as, oh yeah, my immune system is kicking ass right now. Like the first one got kind of primed it and now the B cell clone army is like dropping hella cytokines everywhere. So this, the thing is clearly not a placebo. You got the real stuff. Yes. They kept it cold. <laughs> they kept it the right temperature. That, that's right. Yeah. It wasn't like, you know, gently warmed over a, no. a you know, butane or something. This is, <laughs> this is a real thing. There was no uh, uh, drops in the cold storage. Yeah, that, that was a real stuff. So, you know, your experience is like so many other doctors. You know, I see him go and tweet about um, Dose 2, known for, you know, uh, a fraction of people having these kinds of adverse events. And... Um, some people have even said that like healthcare workers who get the second shot should get um, a paid day off work uh, the day uh, after. Interesting, yeah. CNN just did a piece because so many people are complaining they're getting the second shot and mm -hmm. they, they have to do a piece on why it's worse for the second shot, you know, this sort of immune, immune priming and all that. And uh, I, you know, again, I'm so grateful to be in a position That's right. to be suffering these symptoms. Uh, and uh, so we'd scheduled to come here and I was like, you know, so VP, there's a couple possibilities. Uh -huh. This is the vaccine uh -huh. because of temporal correlation, the uh -huh. fact that I have no other exposures, uh -huh. or I have full-blown COVID. <laughs> Do you want to just roll with this? And you're like, oh, yeah, of course. Uh, yeah, I'm yeah. Pretty, pretty confident it is the vaccine. Yes, yeah. it sure seems to be. That's the science of it. Now, you had one dose and had bad symptoms, right, so far? Yeah, I did. Yeah. I... Uh... I don't want to go too public with no. Yeah. I, I, I'm happy to. Yeah, no. I I, I suffered some adverse events. Um, yeah. you know, I'm I'm not known for being a complainer. Except <laughs> maybe I am though. I know I don't know. Except on this show. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no. I felt the AEs. It um it it I felt it. I knew I got something. Yeah. It wasn't nothing. I got something, and I felt it. And I had a little difficulty sleeping. And right. I had, as many described, the sore arm. Right. It's quite sore actually. I couldn't even lay on it to sleep. I had yeah. to sleep on the other arm. Um. So um. Yeah, I think they're not trivial side effects. Um, however, uh, the benefit uh, is is vast. It's a great benefit. Uh, so I'll take it any day of the week. Yeah, and you got to think, I mean, the amount of immunogenicity of this thing, just judging by how I feel right now, I feel like I have a flu, which means I'm getting the interferons and the cytokine response and everything that, that would go with that minus the actual infection. Like that's the brilliance of these things. Now, but this this actually segues perfectly into yes, a recent piece you wrote. So, and I've been getting this question a lot. Um, <clears throat> People are saying, well, we shouldn't start schools until we get kids vaccinated. That's the newest thing, yeah. So yes. first it was we shouldn't start schools until they're ventilated, until everyone has masks, and then it's until the teachers are vaccinated, and until the kids are vaccinated. And then maybe it's just we shouldn't have schools at all. I don't know. The new world, we all learn from books and learn on the go. Keep Just keep moving the goalposts, yeah. you know, until the teachers union over here is just like, excellent. So. <laughs> hey, they'll be 18 eventually, so they won't need school. You know, That's they're all going to grow up soon. <laughs> you know what? We all, yeah, exactly. It's just like surgeons say, all bleeding stops. I'll, eventually. All schooling stops eventually. <laughs> eventually right, yeah. eventually. So, so 
you wrote a piece talking about that. I'd love you to walk us through what you think about kids and vaccines because I think this is a good discussion to have. Yeah, and I guess it fits with your experience. Um, I think, um, you know, I, 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 the title of my piece is entitled um, something like Kids Can't Wait for a Vaccine to Go Back to School or, or they, sh- they Needn't Wait. And I guess I come at it in a few directions. One, um, a practical question, which is, let's say they were to wait, how long might they wait? Mm. And the answer is, you know, Pfizer, uh, the emergency use authorization allows um, people 16 and above to get the vaccine. We have ongoing clinical studies that have enrolled down to 12. Um, I have found an article where Tony Fauci is quoted as saying that if those are positive, they're going to look to nine. And if those are positive, they're going to look below nine. And so what we're talking about um, in another article that appeared in The Economist is realistically for younger kids, we're talking 2022. Uh, and 2022 is, last I checked the calendar, a ways away. It's yeah. a ways away. Yeah. Um, so that's one thing that is just going to take a while. The next thing is, what is the actual risk to children, um, particularly younger children, particularly children under the age of 16 or 15? And um, we know in a couple of lines of evidence, there's a j- nice paper in JAM in the fall that looked at the risk of death to a young child, 5 to 15, um, who had uh, who passed away from SARS-CoV-2. And the answer was about one in a million um, kids passed away from SARS-CoV-2. Now, that's an unfortunate endpoint, but to put it in perspective, in that same age group, the risk of suicide in non-COVID times is typically 10 times higher. Mm. So yes, um, kids are not invincible from it, but realistically, their chance of dying from SARS-CoV-2 is not out of the ballpark with other respiratory viruses in that age group. And one thing we yeah. want to say about that is when you talk to doctors who care for these children that are in ICU, <clears throat> mm-hmm. almost invariably the children have other conditions, whether it's severe obesity, diabetes, other issues that put them at higher risk. So you could almost start to think, well, those are the higher risk children and, and other children are maybe less high risk for that. Yeah, I think that's right. And I think that the other piece of evidence that will support that claim is the New England Journal letter of the Swedish experience, which is 1.95 million kids, 15 ICU visits. And most of those kids did have a comorbidity or another predisposing predisposing condition. Um, so what's the probability a healthy kid will get sick and succumb to this virus? I think we're talking very, very low. The other line of evidence, I think, is the the IFR studies. So there's been some meta-analytic estimates of the infection fatality rate. So of all the people who've been infected, the probability one would die. Um, when we're talking about 10-year-olds, the estimates that are in this paper is something like two in 100,000. Mm. So that's of 100,000 kids infected, maybe two would pass away. And to put that in perspective, um, when you talk about people who are 80, it's 7,500 times as much. Wow. Yeah, so yeah. we're talking about 20% in that right. group. Right, right. How do, you, how do you think it relates to maybe influenza mortality in children, just oh. as a reference point? <laughs> <laughs> You're never allowed to say that word, yeah. my friend. Yeah, no, there's you can can't be, compare. When, uh, we're we're going to get banned. It, SARS-CoV-2 cannot be compared to any, any other, other thing disease on the planet. No, except for SARS-1. A SARS one yes, maybe, and yes. maybe MERS. MERS, right. But if you go beyond that, you're not. No, no but you're... I think the reality, I think you make a fair point, which is that um, uh, I know it I know it has been controversial when people have said it, but I think when we're talking about children, it is generally not controversial mm. to argue that um, SARS-CoV-2 in kids is roughly, n- roughly the same as influenza, maybe even uh, less severe than influenza. Mm. Um, 
seasonal influenza in kids. That's not to say that it's not a serious virus. So, you know, we've got to be very clear. When you're talking about a 7,500 times increased risk in 80-year-olds, you're talking about, you know, maybe one in four 80-year-olds passing away with the virus who get it. That's, uh, that is like unlike any influenza. You know, that's really, yeah. really severe. But we have to have the perspective to recognize that this is something with the steepest age gradient, I think, anyone has ever seen. And yeah. by that, I mean, it's far more deadly in older people than it is in younger people. And, and, and you know, so one thing, because as I talk to you now, like my yeah. head is throbbing, like I have, I feel febrile. Mm-hmm. Imagine you do this to hundreds yes. of thousands of children. Yes. Um, just by sheer, you know, happenstance, you're gonna, you know, have, you're gonna have a certain number of complications just in terms of febrile complications. Things like, can, can you talk, did you talk about that in your Yeah, article? I think I did, yeah. yeah. So so I guess, yeah, we're, we're building these pieces of evidence. So one piece of evidence is like, look, if you're gonna wait for schools to reopen, you're gonna wait a long time. A long time. And, that, and every day you wait, you're losing something. There's a trade-off. Um, the next piece of evidence is that the risk to kids absolutely is very, very low. Um, and it's within the realm of risks we accept when we send our kids in 2017, 2016. Those are the kinds of risks you run when you send your kid to school. They could get um, into traffic fatality on the way to school. They could die of the flu. Meningitis. Meningitis. There's so many risks to children um, the moment they set foot outside the door. Um, Wedgies. (laughs) <laughs> devastating. Devastating. Only to us nerds. But. I know. See, I, maybe, maybe, guys, I'm, I'm playing my, I just revealing my hand a little uh-huh. bit here. That uh, yeah, it's TMI. It's TMI. TMI. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, so okay. So those are the two pieces. And then the, the point you're making here, I think, is a good point, which is we do not know what the side effects will be in kids. We just don't know because we don't have the data yet. Um, and there are differences around dosing, and there are differences around how kids may tolerate it. They may tolerate it differently. Maybe even better. It's possible. But mm. let's assume they tolerate it the same as they tolerate Moderna dose two in adults, the mm. same sort of rates of AEs. I think we're talking, and I, and I think I documented the piece, we're talking about um, you know, grade three fevers, which is like um, I think 104 degrees for less than 24 hours, and grade four, which is 104 degrees for two days for more than 24 hours. We're talking about of a million kids, you might take that risk of death from one and let's say you drop it to zero because there's a 95% reduction in COVID and there appears to be almost a full protection against severe COVID. So let's say to save that one life, you got to inoculate a million kids with vaccination to pretend, to save one life. And you're talking about maybe 14,000 kids suffering grade three fevers and maybe 880 suffering grade four fevers, which is you know more than one day. And, and I guess um, when you add in the myalgia, when you add in the arthralgia, when you add in the sort of headache, the fogginess, all these things, I mean, I think you have a tough sell. Mm. You have a tough sell to parents. You have a tough sell to, to the public um, to, to, to tolerate that level of side effects um, to avert a very rare outcome. This is assuming that you know, it does the same thing. Right. And then the last thing I'd say is um, right now vaccinations are authorized. They're not approved. They're emergency use authorized, which is a special pathway of the FDA that is allows expedited access to things in chemical, biological, radiologic emergencies. And this is an emergency, no doubt about it. This is the full-blown pandemic, but it's an emergency for adults. Is it really an emergency for children? And I think one might argue, and I lean, and I'm sympathetic to this argument, that's why I kind of raise it, that the EUA is appropriate for an adult vaccine Mm. in the setting of an emergency, but an EUA might not be appropriate for a childhood vaccine given that the risk to kids is so low. Yeah. And if that is true, and the FDA pursues a more um, aggressive regulatory standard of traditional approval, um, that will require further evidence and further delay the time until vaccines are available. So- If you're waiting for schools to open, for that to happen, you're gonna be waiting forever. You're waiting for so that, uh, Yeah, so I, you know, I, I, 
we talked about this a little bit, and I think I'm increasingly convinced that we don't need to wait for kids to be vaccinated. <clears throat> It'd be nice to have a lot of adults vaccinated, as many as we can, especially high-risk people, and stratify from there. But kids, you know, Offit, when we were first talking about vaccines on the show early in the pandemic, he said, you better damn well know what your risk-benefit is when you're giving kids, healthy kids, vaccines. And, and he's spent his life looking at giving healthy kids vaccines. Yes. And so I, I'll ask him on Friday when he comes on the show oh, good. what he thinks about this because he can understand the risk benefit and um, a, as can you. And I think make a compelling case and say, well, okay, well, how can we think about it? Now, this doesn't mean that if you wanna get your kid vaccinated and it's approved, you shouldn't do it. Oh, of course. That's you fine. Should, yeah, I think, I think these are challenges with the path to approval. Right. Um, and, and, and the difference between authorization and approval and which is the right regulatory pathway. And I think that I can imagine there'll be people who argue the opposite and say, that until the epidemic, the pandemic is under control, it's an emergency in everybody. But I would contend, I would counter argue, I would say something like, if there are a big group of adults who are choosing not to be vaccinated, I'm not sure that justifies you calling it an emergency uh, until they have done their due diligence and been vaccinated before you can declare it an emergency for this pediatric group where yeah. the risk benefit profile is fundamentally different. Yeah, I mean, you have like 40% of nursing home workers declining the vaccine. I don't know what's going on. There. I don't know what's going on. Maybe, uh, you know, I read something recently where somebody said that, look, you, you, you've treated them like shit for so many years. That's, yeah. You know, you've treated these workers very poorly. Yeah. We have to be honest about yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're underpaid, they're yeah. undervalued. Yeah. These nursing homes represent a failure of our society. It just yeah. shows that we're callous towards older people. We push them aside. Um, and so, and they weren't given PPE in the early part of the pandemic. So maybe these are reasons why they might be distrustful. Yeah, I, and I think, and I've talked about that on the show, definitely. And, and, I, and I have a lot of compassion for that <clears throat> viewpoint. I think if we're being completely yes. blunt, which I'm going to be. You don't have to agree with this. There are a lot of you know people who work in the nursing home population that are just simply not educated in anything at a high level of science, and so there's a lot of misinformation floating around. They're as vulnerable to it as anyone, and they see complications. They see results of complications in patients that are there. Mm -hmm. So they're more on edge about that. They don't want to be guinea pigs. They've been abused. They're undervalued, underpaid, understaffed, um, and yet it's the most important population <laughs> yes, in terms of outcomes. Yes. I mean, it, no, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, we're talking about 50% of all U.S. deaths are occurring in this setting. And so vaccinating the people who are in that place and the people who provide care, and often these people who work in nursing homes often work in multiple nursing homes, which is, you know, obviously a recipe for uh, potential viral spread between nursing homes. Um, but I think you're right in the sense that you're approaching it with some compassion. You're trying to ask, like, you know, why might somebody there, um, they're, not, they're not not getting the vaccine because they want to be a bad person, a viral vector. Right, right. They're they're not they're not getting the vaccine because of some misunderstanding um, or um, some um, apprehension towards the medical field. Um, many cases, you know, there may be some basis for that. You know. Yeah, yeah, I think so. And, and you can make the same argument from an equity standpoint with African Americans who are very reluctant, uh, more so than other racial groups to get vaccinations when you have histories of abuse and so on. And and so these folks are not behaving irrationally, um, but we do need to do a better job, I think, of, of teaching and being compassionate with it. There's so much, man, I mean, and you experience this all the time, we'll talk about this in the latter half of the show, but mm -hmm. the amount of shaming and nonsense that goes on from people on social media towards those they feel are not behaving. Like even me just saying, well, I don't know that the nursing home population has the higher level of education that would be an immunologic, like many doctors don't, right? So, but that is a fact, it's, it's probably a fact. I think it's hard to, you can argue it, but I think it's it's a tough one. But to say, 
oh, you know, look at this person killing grandma in the nursing home because they're just evil. That sounds like a good tweet. Yeah, it's, yes. it's a great tweet. It's a great tweet. It's a you got all the RTs for that. But I think you you point to something that's very real, which is um, there are many people who I believe's heart is in the right place on the other side of the issue. They're the anti anti vaxxers. They don't like the anti vax messaging, right? And their heart is in the right place. I mean, they really want to persuade people to see. I think the wisdom of some of these strategies, particularly the strategy. Um, but there is an empirical question, which is separate from intention, which is that how do you effectively persuade people? Right. And, you know, as much as we um, wish everyone used empathetic, consistent messaging, the reality is when I look on Twitter, and I've gotten myself in trouble for pointing this out to others, um, <laughs> that they're throwing a lot of grenades. Mm. They're just saying, you're stupid, you're dumb, you're an idiot, you're killing people, you're, um, you know, and other derogatory names. And I guess... I don't know this to be true, but I suspect it that being uh, insulted is not a good path to bringing somebody uh, into the fold and into sort of thinking about the communal sense of good here. Mm, it's really not. And what's, what's interesting is I've had to do a lot of soul searching on this one because as a <clears throat> comedian-ish uh, sometimes. Well, you are, yeah. As uh, a funny person. As, as yeah. <laughs> funny ha-ha or funny... <laughs> um, but you know, we're laughing with you. Yeah, there you go. I, oh God, I hope so. So, so, you know, we've done a yeah. lot of pretty hardcore vaccine stuff. Yes. You know, like, on you know my yeah. producer dresses up in a wig and mm -hmm. pretends he's anti-vax Janet and comes, you know, <laughs> comes at me with crazy stuff. Now that's funny. And, but that, all that serves to do is rally our own anti-anti-vax yeah. tribe. Right. It doesn't convince anyone on the fence. If anything, it infuriates them and entrenches them in the fact that we don't, understand we're not listening to them we're we think we're better than them all the other stuff now what i've been getting lately because i've changed my approach mainly because i've awakened a bit to why the why of of the anti-vaccine sentiment and i understand it and more than i did it's hard still for me because i'm so conditioned in the science right which can be a blind spot too but um now i get messages saying hey you know what i love i wasn't going to take this vaccine um, I am now because wow, you because calmly, of you. well, our show and yeah. the guests and the back yeah, yeah. and forth that were, they say, you seem to not have a massive dog in the fight beyond yeah. trying to do the right thing. You're patient and you explain it. Where And, and you explain why you think it's rational to not want to get the vaccine, which means let's talk about why we can convince you to do it. And that's very different than what I used to do. Because again, I, who was I? convincing. I'm not going to convince a delusional 2% on either side of this thing. So you got to shoot for these people that are like, man, I'm so confused. And I have plenty of reason to distrust this. I mean, everything from mask flip-flopping early on, which we've talked about yeah, and all the other about. public health stuff. But I, I mean, I think you're onto something, which is that, um, you know, I will admi admit that my own thinking on the art of communicating publicly on these social media forums has evolved over time. Naturally, if it didn't evolve, that would say something's wrong with me. Right. Um, I think the discussion we just had about the pediatric vaccine is actually quite pro-vaccine, and I'll tell you why. Um, for people to perceive you as somebody who is impartially adjudicating the risk and benefit profile of a vaccine, I think you have to be honest about the fact that that may vary by age, right? <laughs> and if your, if your stance is an extreme stance, as I think many people are on the internet, which yeah. is that everyone should get the vaccine right away and it should all go through the same uh, authorization pathway, this EUA, irrespective of age, um, I think that reveals potentially a blind spot in your reasoning um, that maybe it is not the same in a five-year-old as it is an 85-year-old. And and acknowledging that is not, you know, to, to, it's just to show that this is a nuanced and complex issue and that's how you ought to think about it. Yeah, but you know, if we're talking about the coddling of the American mind, 
there's only good people and bad people. There's only good people so and you bad either stake out. You know, actually, this gets to the point. Like, <clears throat> I would not trust someone who was exclusively party line on anything, which is why I just hate it when politicians. I mean, that's why like McCain was popular. I think right? he was, yeah. Because he would be like, yeah, I'm not just like straight going down a <clears throat> ticket. I'm saying, yeah, I think this and I think that. I'm, I'm an issues person and I look at things rationally. Lovely. Why can't we all do that? The same with vaccines. Like, off it, early days, like, this is a pro vaccine dude, but he's like, you know, we got to really be careful with giving healthy people. I think vaccine. he's like, um, Known for being the pro vaccine, yes, dude, right. Yeah, he's, he's the guy the that guy. like they throw, you know, like a, a like a, a fur <laughs> protester throws blood at. Like he's the guy the anti vaxxers yeah. want, you know. And and didn't he write that book about that? Like one of the the, the all time great vaccinators um, in history. Yeah, yeah. yeah um, one of Hellman. his first books. Yes. Yeah. One of his first Maurice. Books. Maurice. Yes, yeah. Maurice. Yeah. Maurice. Yeah. God. He, you know. Hellerman. Right. Hellerman. Hellerman. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah that's yeah. right. Yeah. I, I always. He's done a documentary too that mm-hmm. that uh, at some point I've I've shared a link to, but. You know, and he's a very rational guy, but of course he has a bias because he's a scientist, but at the same time, he's able to go, well, you know, we, you, you trust him. I'll give you another example yeah. that um, I got myself in a little bit of trouble about, um, which I think, <laughs> but I don't think I ought to be in trouble, um, is, um, you know, my piece that we talked a little bit about last time, which was two vaccines, 14 days asymptomatic. You can take a liberty in life. You can go hug your grandmother and you said you were going to go hug your mom. Right. Um and you're probably still looking forward to doing that because yeah. you just got your And they just got vaccinated. Oh, great. Yeah, yeah oh, luckily. Yeah. That's a good feeling. Yeah, it really was. Yeah. Way better feeling than getting vaccinated yourself. Uh, of course. Yeah, I mean, you're just like, oh, I would, you know, suck the- Yeah, you'll suck the mRNA right out. toxic mRNA. <laughs> and give it to your, and grand, give it give to your mother. It, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then yeah. she'll anaphylax from the blood type. <laughs> Incompatibility. But it just shows how much I that's care. true love. Yeah, it's true love. <laughs> it's true love. You really I'm care. willing to anaphylax uh, my poor mom. Um, yeah. But um, you know, uh, one of the one of the criticisms I got about that piece was, I mean, it was, it was there were numerous and vociferous criticisms. That's always the case. Um, many of which um, I think are deeply inappropriate, like ad hominem personal comments mm-hmm. or or um, the allegation that somehow I have some like perverted motive like i want people to die or something right yeah right like that's what i'm in the business of yeah right, like, exactly yeah. Is it, you know they, they, like they think you're you're a butthead for all the wrong reasons <laughs> yes i like, know you're right. a butthead for all these other reasons <laughs> but they're like well no he wants to murder people no 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 that's not why i'm a bad person yeah right you know, i mean a whole yeah. other list of things i'm right. sure you'll you could find some reasons <laughs> right but um yeah um but but i think um the view, the hardline view that some espouse that after vaccination, quote, nothing changes, you ought to social distance and not meet up with anybody and not go on dinners and you ought to, you know, not meet other vaccinated people for a dinner at your house. That is a view that some espouse. Um, I push back a little on them on Twitter and I say, what criteria do you want to see before you will relax? And some of them said, um, well, I know you're wrong, but I can't actually delineate what is the criteria yeah. I want to see. And I was like, if you can't delineate what the criteria you want to see is, you're not arguing in good faith. You yeah. don't know what you're talking about. Emotional uh, arguments. Yeah, yeah, in my opinion. Uh, you, so Fear you're waiting base. until med Twitter tells you it's fake. Okay, Th- that's fine. what it is. That's what it is. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a tribal badge of identity, which we've talked about, I think, yeah. to to resist. You know, you're either a super fear monger or you're super denial and, you know, your avatar is either a bunch of masks. Like now it's like 12 masks. <laughs> like, oh, that was a whole nother. So I don't know how we got on this, um, but obviously there was that quote by Fauci that said, you know, if one mask is good, two is better. Right. There's a study from a few weeks, I mean, I think it was a couple of weeks ago where they, it was, I think it was a JAMA Journal Medicine study that looked at, um, you know, if you wore a second mask, it, it would improve the the fit and filtration and they tracked it with some particle size. Um, you know, but that's rather indirect evidence of the question, which is that if you made this a mandate, would it change population it change? outcomes? Yeah. Uh, yet for a moment on the, everywhere on the internet, two masks was the craze. Oh yeah. If one is good, two is better. And, and I remember somebody said, there's, it's attributed to Fauci. The quote is, it's just common sense to wear two masks. Right, 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 right. If it's just common yeah, sense, yeah. 
where was this common sense 10 months ago, yeah, my friend? Yeah, <laughs> like, this yeah, is not common yeah, sense. This is yeah, something new. Yeah, you know what's funny is I, all these conservatives were putting up avatars with like 20 masks on, like <laughs> oh. just stacked up they're like trolling. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're trolling. But yeah. they found an op- They're very they found good trolls, a, yeah. Yeah, but I mean, they found a legitimate um, place Troll. to poke fun. Yeah, yeah. Um, but now then Mike, Mike Osterholm went, um, and he said that, you know, he disagreed with the recommendation. And then I think Fauci, five days later, he walked it back in mm. an interview where he said there's no data. Uh, yeah, Osterholm's never been a big fan of public masking, I don't think, to, to yeah. a high degree, yeah. I don't, yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I'm curious to know. I'd love to talk to him about it, but yeah. I, I guess I don't. Th- I've read his letter. He had a letter in the New England Journal. Um, so I get a sense of where he's coming, but I don't know exactly right. where he falls. Right. Um, I think he's, his thing is, you know, this is largely, you know, aerosolized around the sides of the mask. You're not going to stop it with these kind of third grade cloth masks. He's know. one of those, everyone needs an N95. Or nothing, or just don't don't see people. Uh, I see, I see. <laughs> right. Total. Yes, yeah. so I've seen his repeated calls for repeat lockdown, yeah. Right, right. Um, well, anyway, I was, uh, so I wrote this thing and I, I, I stand by my article. My article will be, I think, in time it will age well because I think people will see the wisdom in it. And also, uh, you know, I had sent it to so many people who are experts in infectious disease, it'll, you know, make your head spin. Yeah. Um, and, and they all support it privately, of course. <laughs> of course, of course. But one of the people who was like really harsh with me you know, said a lot of mean stuff. And I was like, oh my goodness. I was like, well, who is this person? And then, um, you know, I was like looking through some of the pictures online and I was like, and this person showed like the, their, like the routine mask that, that this person favors. And I swear to God, it looked like um, like a trench warfare mask in World <laughs> War One. I. I was like, I've never seen anything quite like, it was a, it was a heavy duty. Oh, I'm man. no expert, but it was a heavy like duty a, mask. A full Darth Vader ventilator mask, right? It was something like that. So, so you know, you're dealing with just, it's a tribal badge at that point. You know, you, you can't fight that because you're attacking um, an identity belief instead of actually arguing rationally science, which which honestly, you know, I get a lot of messages after our shows and, and yeah. I think you do too, maybe the people send you. And, and they're like, hey, I really like that show. And why did they like it? Because two reasonably calm, incredibly handsome. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I, they never say that to me. Yeah, they've, never, ne- they've never, never told me that. that. No one has ever told me that. <laughs> and uh, uh, d- discussing rationally the ins and outs of things without really, you know, getting crazy partisan or angry or anything like that. Yeah, well, I guess I'm not a partisan. I have yeah, no interest in it. Um, I don't have an interest in it, yeah. I have no interest in it. Um, and and I guess my interest here is, like on this these issues, my interest is, like I love thinking about risk and I mm. love thinking about risk on you know, these like low probability events, we're talking about one in a million. Uh, it's real probability, but it's a low probability. And human, the human mind is great at distorting such events, either making them make you think it's zero and, and neglect it, or make you think it's orders of magnitude larger. Mm. Like our brains are good at processing day-to-day risks, the kind of risks like, is it gonna rain today? Uh, you know, um, am I going to, uh, you know, fall down this ravine? Uh, you know, am I gonna get food today? Um, they're not great at these kinds of risks and emotion so often overrides. That's right, because I think it's limbic. Uh, I call it, you know, this is John Haidt um, uh, paradigm of Elfin and Ryder. So Elfin is a risk detector, it's this limbic, mm primitive brain and it's designed to detect threat. It has a negativity bias, which is why news loves negative. And if it bleeds, it leads and all that. It's all because that's how we're, they're hacking our own wiring. And the truth is that's how we misestimate risk. So Daniel Kahneman wrote the book, Thinking Fast and Slow. And it's really about how we have distortions in our thinking and understanding risk and thinking illogically. So we ought to work on growing our ability to do that. I think that we ought to be teaching kids in school this. We ought to be looking at ourselves. Like I find myself making errors all the time and then noticing it now for the first time. Whereas before you just go with this, yeah, well, you know, and then you go, wait, no, look, look what I just did. I did appeal to authority. I did, you know, you're noticing all the errors that you're making. And I think that means we have to 
teach people how to do it, teach ourselves how to do it. I agree with everything you said. And I'll add on one more thing, which is that when you take people and you put them in a pandemic situation, you exacerbate all these errors, I believe. Like you, you're taking people, you're depriving them of their social networks, you're depriving them of in-person interactions, you're leaving them in their house, you're often depriving them of childcare or schooling, um, you're depriving them of a lot of things that, um, that play with your mind, make you more anxious, concerned, frustrated, tired, sleep deprived, um, uncertain about the future. Um, and, and then you ask them to reason about low probability events. Mm. Um, and it's so easy to demonize, to hate, to think this is irrational. Um, but when you really think about the, 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 the just the raw numbers, um, you might think about it differently. And so- I don't know, at a time where we needed in-person interaction the most, we have it the least. Uh, you know, I had Judd Brewer, who's a psychiatrist um, who studies mindfulness and did some of the seminal fMRI studies yeah. on monks and stuff who practice advanced <clears throat> meditation. And early on in the pandemic, I had him on and he said, you know, what's, what we've done here is we've, we've taken a physical contagion, which yeah. has risks, which we're overestimating mostly, um, this was early on when we didn't know entirely. And even then I think he was right fully, but he said, now there's the social contagion, which comes from we're all locked down and a news anchor can sneeze on your brain from thousands of miles away uh -huh. and infect you uh -huh. with fear. Uh -huh. And that changes how you work. So now you're so afraid you've been conditioned repeatedly. Now VP goes on Twitter and says, actually, once you get this incredibly effective <laughs> yeah, vaccine, right, right. which I'm feeling the effects right now, right. like, you can probably loosen some things with permission of the other party. <laughs> of course. I mean, come on. <laughs> it's not like you're going and, you know, yeah. assaulting them. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh -huh. You've invited them to your house for dinner. They're also vaccinated. And yeah. they, they can say, I'll give you a good example of it. Um, you know, um, I don't know if we talked about this last time, but I thought about it a little bit more and I thought about something more, even more interesting. It was um, a hospital... Um, this was a trainee emailed me after this, and the trainee said um, to me that um, after this brouhaha about what can you do after vaccination, the hospital sent an email to all the trainees, and it said, when you are on lunch, you are not allowed to sit two trainees and have lunch together. You got to either eat lunch apart, go outside, you know, and this is in a, a East Coast city where it's super cold. <sighs> okay, so- I don't want to, uh, let's just say this, this trainee did not appreciate this recommendation. And I don't think the ad recommendation was strictly adhered to. Right. Okay. But this was the recommendation nonetheless. It's the policy that you're not allowed to have lunch together. And I was thinking about it initially, how it's a foolish policy for a lot of reasons, you could, but we talked about it on the last episode. But then I was thinking about it even more. And I was like, there's one more reason that's a foolish policy. The hospital can only control the resident interaction while they're at work. Right. When they go home from work, they can have dinner together yeah. and the hospital has no control over it. Yeah. So whatever delta is on the policy, whatever benefit the policy provides, it has to be, it prevents in-person interactions at work that would otherwise not happen outside of work. Right. But the reality is the more you prevent it at work, you may actually push increase it, it out of work, push right? it out of work, have more dinners outside of work. And the net result may be not only is it a policy that robs you of humanity and the one break you get when you're training, you know, oh, man. it's a, you really such a want, crucial, crucial thing. You look thing. forward to it, yeah. You look forward to it. Not only does it rob you of all that, but it may not actually even change the interaction frequency because right. we're just gonna do it after work and get a beer. It's funny that you say that because, you know, I, I, we, when outdoor dining was, before yeah. they shut it down again, 
uh, in California, I went to an outdoor place with my kids. We were eating there in Redwood City outside. Beautiful. God, sinner. in California. You're sinner. I'm You're a horrible. sinner. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a sinner in the hands of an angry God. And um, yeah. there I am sinning eating my octopus, oh, which oh. by the way, I don't eat anymore after seeing my octopus teacher on Netflix. Oh, you should I watch see. that. It's yeah. like, oh God, I think that thing is sentient. It's a smart And really smart and actually weirdly lovey. Like you're like, you want to give it a hug and then the tentacles will get on you. But So back when you used to eat octopus, yeah. That's right. So I was eating this octopus with my kids and and I see there's three, four people sitting at an adjacent table kind of talking loudly at each other. And they turn and go, are you Z-Dog? I'm like, yeah, I am. Oh, we're all residents at Stanford and so on. Oh really? Oh cool. So you guys like hanging out? How how's the COVID numbers? Ah, you know they're they're it's busy. Okay, so y'all are just like all at the table here, no masks, just like shouting at each other. So I'm down with that, but this is I'm, I'm sure this would not be policy at Stanford within the walls of Stanford. Uh, yeah, so like you said, yeah. it's the same thing. It's the only time they get to connect. And and um, you know, for many of us in residency, you know how hard it is. I mean, when I have oh, to bore you and and. Those were the encounters that gave you the motivation to go back the next exactly. day. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And um, I don't want to like get too specific, but I guess I think the takeaway point is that um, people, if you really think that you're going to vaccinate all these people and their behavior literally will not change, I question your thinking. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, that's not right. Yeah. Of course they're going to behave differently. You, of course they are. Yeah. What are you talking about? You don't understand humans. You, you know? don't understand I, humans. What are you talking about? What you're talking about. What you are know, you talking and, and about? What I, I really don't like is the manipulative aspect of it. Well, no, we're going to say this because we know the public will take it this uh, way. And if we set the bar here, they'll reach it here. And you know, So I got an invite from... Uh, CDC to speak about vaccine hesitancy in a virtual thing they're doing. I'm trying mm-hmm. to figure out who the audience is, but there's a there was a 95% part of me that just wanted to ghost them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was just because I've been so frustrated in general with communication. But then I thought, well, if I ghost them, then I'm not doing my part to actually contribute to the betterment of communication. But it, it's been frustrating. Um, you don't want to be associated with the CDC. Oh, man, no, oh, no, God, no. it's a stain. <laughs> no. you know, no, so, they're, so, they're, they're rehabbing their image. They are. They are. Yeah, yeah, instantly, yeah. there were. Um, instantly. Yeah. Instantly, as soon as the Biden administration started, there were 13 pronouns in every email. I was like, oh, that's, that's an overnight change. Um, but it, it's amazing how now they are actually reaching out and doing all this. Um, but I guess my question is really how do we start to have a more rational public health policy. Like, for example, you wrote a piece on lockdown. Oh, yes, just now. I imagine this is going to be a, um, this is going to be a controversial piece, because if you say anything about lockdowns that is negative, you're no longer a good liberal. If you say anything about lockdowns that's positive, you're no longer a good conservative. So this is a tribal identity badge. Well, I hope I will. uh, Well, it'll only be controversial among the people who don't read it, which is probably a fair chunk of people these days. (laughs) Um, But uh, because the piece actually says the answer is I don't know. That's my answer. I don't know. And I think I start by framing the piece around, um, there are two recent studies that came out and one says that, you know, um, well, well, one is what is a lockdown? And, and they define it as universal, um, unessential business closure and stay-at-home order was the definition that they employed. Um, and one paper said that we looked at these 12 countries or something like that, and we failed to find a, a benefit from lockdown. And another paper says that there is a benefit. It lowers, you know, R not by, I forget what it was, like two-tenths of 1% or something, you know. Mm. Lowers not, sorry, not two-tenths of one point, so like from one to 0.8 or something like that. Mm. Um and and I started to think about it, and I actually spent a lot of time thinking about how you would do the research. And the more I thought about it, my head hurt because I realized mm. that, well, how do you define lockdown? 
you can define it in so many ways. Oh. And which countries do you look at? So many. Which regions do you look at? And and then you have to you have to do some you have to make some analytic choices. For instance, one is lag. Um, if I institute a lockdown on a Monday, when does it kick in? Does mm-hmm. it kick in tomorrow? Three days from now? Five days from now? Seven days from now? Nine days from now? Mm-hmm. You have the choice to lag your model, whatever you want. Um, I started thinking about how you define lockdown, what countries you look at. Um, and then I started thinking about the fact that like lockdown's a lot like an aspirin. A lockdown is different every time you take it. If I give you a lockdown, the first time I give it to you, you might work real good. But if I give it to you again and again and again, there may be diminishing return because you're not participating. It's tachyphylaxis to lockdowns. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Maybe, and also what's the, and so this is just classic effect modification or interaction. There's some difference between how it works over time. The other thing is it may work differently if, it was deployed recently in Perth, Australia, when there was one case documented, probably a handful of cases not documented, and they want a lockdown to go from handful to zero. So that might work, maybe, maybe not. Mm. But what if the caseload is one in a thousand, mm. one in a hundred, mm. as it has been in some US places? A brisk, does it work the same there? I don't know the answer. And this whole essay explores like nine different ways that this is a very difficult question. And the other dimension of this I kind of explore is lockdown's not the only thing we did. We locked down sometimes. Um, we also, I've seen some parks here, they remove every other swing. Right. Boom, gotcha, COVID. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. Take that. Take, Take that. that. You think you can spread swing mm-hmm. to swing? swing? To swing? <laughs> oh, hell no. Hell no, boom. Our notch just went from 1.5 to 1.49999. We got you. They take the rim off the basketball. Oh, my. Yeah, they closed a toboggan track in canada i actually don't know what that is but a toboggan i know like what a toboggan sled, is right right do they have like a it, I, do they have tracks for this we're gonna have to, we have a lot of canadian fans on this show so they're gonna have to weigh in they're gonna weigh in they'll be like hey there it's a it's really uh, important it's eh? a real hoser eh <laughs> <laughs> sorry 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 about oh, that they're gonna give you a shit canadia sorry i'm gonna put my root sweater on yeah yeah I'll yeah the wrath be, but yeah. um <laughs> yeah so i mean the point i want to make is we've probably done i don't know ten thousand different things maybe more um, you know, we've closed things, opened things, had mask rules, inside, outside, kids, young, old, different climates, um, gatherings, they banned gatherings over 10, over 20, over 50, over 100. Um, travel. Travel, border closures. Right. I mean, so many things have been done. Some of them may do something. Right. Some of them may do nothing. But I actually fear that the vast majority of things we've done, we will never know the we'll answer. Never know. yeah. And so the whole point of my essay is to point out, I mean, I have some specific recommendations of how in the future when we deploy things, we gotta deploy them in a way that we can learn something. Mm. Um, I call this that, you know, we've basically done a multi-trillion dollar experiment and we have no idea which specific things when work and which things are just things that sap morale um, and don't get commensurate benefits in caseload reduction. And that's a tragedy. That's not much better than people who lived 500 years ago. They did all this shit and they don't know what works. <laughs> right. I mean, you just do cocaine. There's ghosts in your blood, man. I mean, that was the old doc. There's a meme about that, like old time doc. And it's like, hey, you have ghosts in your blood. Why don't you do cocaine about it? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, it's true. And we haven't, you know, it's interesting. You can contrast the vaccine science that's been done, which has been done reasonably well. I think, I think. the best yeah. that we've done. Yeah. Yeah. It's really with good. With all these other things. With all these other things. With, which, which I actually want to say, like, I'm not saying I don't believe it works. Right. Although I'm, I'm, I'm willing to say, I don't believe cutting every other swing did shit. You know, I'm, willing, <laughs> I'm willing to say that was stupid. You're going on the record. I'm going right? on the record yeah. that cutting down every other swing didn't do anything. Right. That, did, that wasn't the place where COVID was gaining ground. Right. However, um, a lot of these things, 
are possibly the place where COVID was gaining ground mm -hmm. and possibly your intervention helped, but I don't know. And that means when I don't know, I'm in a very bad spot as a policymaker. When do I deploy it? How do I deploy it? Where does it work? Where doesn't it work? And I actually think we're not gonna learn it this year, next year, it'll yeah. be a decade before anyone has any sort of ideas about this. Um, and I don't even think we can study it in the moment. I think the, the, temp the temperature is too hot. People yeah. cannot study this in a neutral way. They're too angry, they're too venomous. Mm. They're, not, they're not there yet, you know? Mm. I, I'm with you. I mean, I think uh, there are a lot of missed opportunities, but I think it will wake us up you know, to future um, approaches when things cool down. Like you said, I think people are just too, like Mr. Gas Mask, um, that's that's a lot. <laughs> you know, like you're not gonna, you're not gonna have a rational conversation. Mr. Gas Mask, mask needs a hug, but they, they need a hug, they need a hug. Won't let me do it but, even if I'm But by, by the way, the-, the, the, the <laughs> The uh, you've seen Hamilton or no? Yeah, I love yeah, it. Yeah, love it, right? So when you were talking about all the essays that you write, I was like, <laughs> why does he write like he's running out of time? Writing every day and night like he's running out of time. You're basically Hamilton, and I'm your Burr. So <laughs> I'm thinking, you know, I'm thinking, you know, I'm gonna wait. I feel like for you're it. Lafayette. Oh, Lafayette. Yeah. Your 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 what was it? Imagine your tactical, strategical brilliance, dun, 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 Lafayette, dude. <laughs> Uh, did you see? So it came out on Disney finally, and so the world was watching it. Yeah, I think I watched it again on Disney. Plus. On Disney yeah, Plus, yeah, yeah. yeah, I saw it's it good. in, in uh, Vegas. It was, uh, it's such a great. I think I saw, I saw it live once, but um, I think when I lived in, I think it was when I lived in DC. Maybe. Oh, you saw it yeah. there, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, terrific show. Yeah. Really well, he's good. a talented guy. I mean, Lin Manuel is. I mean, I mean Moana. Oh yeah. He did all the music for that. Yeah. I mean, you can and, just stop um, right there. Yeah. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting, you know. I um. There are people who do certain lines of work where I bet the ratio of people who like Lin-Manuel Miranda to people who don't like him, it's probably like 99.999. It's as good as the Moderna vaccine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but when you're in the business of academic ideas in medicine, which I fear is the business that I'm in. That ratio is it's oh, like it's, it, it's like J and J vaccine. No, that's right. <laughs> no, no. Yeah. Did you? There's a really funny meme where it was like two really ripped black dudes, um, like abs and everything and it As was like press release abstract it, no, 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 no. Was, this one was actually it said moderna and then another ripped dude <laughs> a little slightly smaller and it said pfizer actually it was the other way pfizer huge guy yeah, yeah. moderna pretty big still and then this fat indian dude <laughs> with a mustache and his gut poking out and it just said astrazeneca oh, <laughs> with those harsh. like aviator glasses well i don't want to let this myth go out I, I, I will say that um they're all out of the park good yeah out of the park out good. of the park good and, and novavax and, yeah they're Johnson all good because you know, obviously, this the being hospitalized and having severe COVID and death zero 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 yeah. zero. So, yeah. um, you know, symptomatic COVID, it is what it is. But what we really want to avoid is the really bad complications. Right. And not having to keep that so cold, that's pretty good. Yeah, that's huge. That's huge. And you know, with J and J, the one dose thing, um, that's great. That's huge. One dose is good. It's going to be interesting because they're doing a two dose trial mm. um, to see is it better. But since it's an adenovirus vector. You wonder if people will have an immune response to the vector and won't have a good boost to, for the second dose. So I'm gonna I'm gonna see what Offit thinks about that. That's but a good question. It's an for interesting. Offit. That's an Offit level question. That's Offit level. That's yeah. Offit level. There's like you know there's, there's minor deities, yeah. Vinay Prasad. There's my pay grade, and, there's and then there's Offit. Yeah. When yeah. it comes to virology, yeah, yeah, uh -huh. yeah. And you know, and, and what I like about Offit too is, is it always feels like it's an Offit fan club when I talk to you. But he he for me anyways because I'm a fanboy. He um he likes to point out all the times he's wrong, which is, That's which is rare. Often. Yeah. It's, it's rare, rare for a scientist to do that. 
Yeah, like, I don't know. I'm going to have to get Peter Hotez to admit whenever he's wrong. i got to get him on the show again. <laughs> <laughs> the bow tie is very intimidating with Peter, man, uh-huh. and these science communicators. Yeah. Um, speaking of which, like, have you ever been – so you're a really good science communicator. So how – but but you know what's interesting is your audience is actually a higher level audience than, say, you know, going on the doctors and being like, well, the thing about Botox is, right? Yeah, I mean, all three of them are higher level. <laughs> <laughs> All three of them are really, really esteemed people. The three people who listen to my show. No, go on. You're going to ask. I was going to say, so have you done any of this bigger media stuff, and what do you think about it? Um, it's not my interest in life, yeah. um, and I guess I haven't. I've uh, Very rarely in my life I've been asked to do some cable news bit, and I've always um, artfully dodged by yeah. pretending to be um, – uh, what my critics say that I don't know anything. No, pretend, <laughs> pretending to be busy or not that I don't, that right. I, I don't feel like. And I guess the reason I dodge is um, – not because I have anything, you know, too much against them, but I think I do question the format. I yeah. do question the format. Um, you can't really do justice to something in five minutes or three minutes or whatever little bit of time they want you to do it. And especially if what you're doing is nuanced, complicated. You know, I'm not drawn to, I mean, there are different types of science messaging. There's saying the thing that most people believe. That's a very popular type of science messaging. Right. It's not my interest. In fact, I find it, not that I have anything wrong with it, because I often do believe what most people believe on most issues. In fact, that's, you know, how I drive my car and it's live my life. Consensus. It's yeah. called consensus, yeah. yeah. So I do agree with most people on most issues. But the things I want to spend my time on thinking about, writing about, and talking about are places where I think there's rationality failures, where rational people are slightly on the wrong side of the issue. Mm. And I'm drawn to that just because, like, that's fun. That's yeah. try to get people who are rational to come over. That, that, that's, I see, I'm, I, so this is an interesting, and this is a little meta conversation on yeah. this because our audience will mostly tune out, but I don't care because it's important to me. So, you know, I get invited on these shows all the yeah, time. I, I tell them no, because the couple times I've done it, you're, you're reduced to a soundbite. It, it's, it's, it feels clownish. <clears throat> you can't get into nuance. Whereas on my show, I, I control everything. Yes. I can say it how I want to say it. And, and but, at the length you want to say and it. At the length. And, it's, and, and, it, and it is longer. It does take longer to have a rational conversation where rational people might disagree. So, you know, it's interesting because Marty McCary, who, who was on the show yesterday, um, he's gotten really good at both. So he can go on Fox and be like, well, Bob, Brit, the thing about the virus is it's crazy that we're vaccinating such and so and such. But then he'll come here and be like, all right, here's all the data on this and here's the 20 things. And so he's good at like straddling that. And then you have like, um, you know, people who will go online and accuse like both of us of being attention seeking, you know, whores. <laughs> like, well, you know, the problem with VP is he's attention seeking. Uh-huh. Like, you don't understand attention seeking. Attention seeking <laughs> is going on every single you know, daytime TV show. To say things people already know. To say things people already know. what the next person To said. appeal to yeah, the lowest common denominator yeah. and all of that, right? And then tell some personal story about yourself that may or may not be relevant to the decision at Th- hand, right? That's right. Now, wait a minute. Now you're starting to offend me. No. that's all I do on my show. <laughs> okay, let me tell you about my shot. Right? It hurts a lot. I have a headache and well, probably a fever. Well, that's different. Yeah. Right? No, but, but, but we, it, we it, went it, into something. But, but, but and it's also not the venue. But um, yeah, I, I guess what I want to say about it is... Um, you know, when I grew up in the 1990s, uh, watching a lot of TV, I was, of course, born in the 1980s. And when I grew up in the 80s and 90s, and even the early parts of the 2000s, um, the medium of television was the only medium. I was glued to it. You know, I watched, boy, I learned about so much of how um, fancy people live from Frasier, you know? <laughs> totally. Or Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous. Yeah. Yeah. 
With I'm, Robin Leach. With Robin Leach. Yeah. yeah. And, and, um, and, 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 and by the way, so I was watching Thundercats, original 1985 Thundercats reruns. Beautiful. With my youngest daughter and rediscovering how incredibly cheesy and horrible it was. But we were laughing. Like and she what was, is it? Thundercats ho? And the yeah, that's there, right. Yeah. Thunder, 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 Thundercats ho. Yeah, and, you know, Lionel, the lead guy. No, I don't has, know this He has much, the yeah. Sword of Omens. I know there's you know? a sword involved. The Sword of that. Omens okay. can give him sight beyond sight. And so there's a scene where he's like, Sword of Omens, give me sight beyond sight and he looks through and he sees these mutants showing up and he's like mutants and then he takes a sword down and they're right there i'm like what's the point <laughs> of having clairvoyance and my daughter started laughing she's like what that what kind of like telescope is this but yeah i don't know it's like T a very wimpy binocular it really is so yeah. you were raised on tv yeah i was raised on tv and i guess what i was trying to say was um yeah i mean where i wanted to go with this is to say that I know, I know that there is a place for these kinds of short segment stuff, but to be honest with you, as I've gotten older and as a, the availability of media has changed, mm. I don't consume any of it. Right. I don't. Me neither. Maybe I don't go on the show because I don't like the show. That's what I it don't, is. I don't watch the show. And in fact, I don't even like um, short interviews, 20 minute interviews, these interviews that a lot of podcasts put out that are highly cut, yeah. highly edited. Too much. I, I hate it. I yeah. like the raw, you know, long form, yeah. two hour podcast where they just talk and the person who is a popular person, it talks so long, they no longer can use their talking points. They have to be real yeah, at some point. That's what it is. It forces yeah. authenticity. It forces it. And some degree of creation from a void. Like mm -hmm. you're just there in a moment creating. That's what I love about it. You're not in this talking about because that's the thing, you go you go I've been on the doctors a couple of times. They asked me actually asked me to like kind of co host for a month. Oh wow. And I, I was like no. But the you couple times it. I did it, I did get to actually say what I wanted to say about this concept of health 3.0, and I felt good about it. But then I did another one where I, I debated the the raw water guy. I Do you remember? This. So this oh, was like I a, remember. They were getting all that water yeah, from, from like, like some well. Yeah. And they weren't the like treating nowhere. it. Right. Yeah. And they're like, raw water. Raw it's water. got natural bugs in it. And uh, so they had me debate God, this guy, and it was days. just pure theater. And I felt dirty. I felt bad for the guy because the guy was goaded. It was almost like being on Maury and just like, they're, they're like fluffing you up, getting you angry. <laughs> and I get in there and on- like, And you are the father. That, that's <laughs> right. I'm like, no, <laughs> exactly. I'm like, listen, Mr. Raw Water, I live in Las Vegas, you know? And he's like, oh, you, you need some of our raw I mean, it was the stupidest thing. Uh -huh. And that's what they do. And then, and then I don't watch that kind of stuff. Just like, you know, social media. I don't use Facebook. Yeah. You don't use, but you really don't use any of them. I don't use any of them. You you drop your thing and you go. And, and I leave. And, leave. And, and, I inter, and I engage with the audience. That's what I use it for. But I don't use it to like share photos of me and this and that. It's like not what I'm interested in. So what's interesting is now is Facebook's algorithms have gotten such that they're trying to ding you for things <clears throat> other people say in your group. So mm -hmm. we have a supporter group. It's mm -hmm. paying subscribers. If somebody posts something on there that's, you know, misinformation no, let's talk trigger, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. Then Facebook can dismonetize your entire group and close it down. And this happened to me with no explanation. Suddenly I couldn't access the group and I'm like, what is this? And then it just so happens I have longtime contacts at Facebook so I can email <clears> them and they go, oh, this is crazy. Oh, let's fix that. It was a uh, false positive on our algorithm, whatever. But what happens to the woman who does quilting and this is her sole source of income, she's done. She has no mechanism to appeal. It's crazy. I think, I don't know, the position we have given these companies is 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 too much. I've it's written about much. it a little bit. Yeah. Um, you know, um, 
I can't speak to political topics because I don't understand them well enough and it's not my domain, but I can speak to scientific topics. And I guess when it comes to scientific topics, you need a, a scientific academy capable of discussing views that are not held by the majority, that are provocative, controversial. Um, people who hold the majority view can always say that the minority viewpoint is um, killing people mm. because everything in biomedicine is about life or death. So if you believe X helps people and I believe X doesn't help people and I say X doesn't help people, you can say you're killing people and I can say you're killing people, you know, mm. because it's about life or death. Um, and, and I wonder who ought to be refereeing these things. Mm. Should it be the employees of these giant tech companies who may be, um, um, I want to use the right word. Um, they may often be fresh out of graduate school. Right. Um, and, and that's not bad. Actually, the people fresh out of graduate school are often the most innovative thinkers. Right. They're brilliant in many ways. Um, creativity is probably peaking in those years, potentially. Yeah, and they haven't been conditioned. And they haven't been yeah. conditioned. They haven't learned the wrong things. But they also, there's some things they don't know, which is they don't have experience. Mm -hmm. They don't have the the wisdom that comes with being in a field for a long time where you see how debates have gone for a long time. Mm -hmm. So the debate that you and I felt was a fresh debate in 2007 that we were alive for and we saw how people felt about it. Mm -hmm. And now we know what it's like in 2017, 10 years later, how did the debate play out? And when you don't have that experience of having seeing academic debates happen over the course of your career, um, it's easy to say this is too much, this is too much, and not realize that in retrospect, some of those things are actually very prescient moves. Yeah. Um, so anyway, so when it comes to science censoring, I guess I'm troubled by it. I'm troubled by who does it. I'm troubled by this example. I think the word misinformation has been so abused mm. that it actually no longer means anything. Mm. Um, I was telling you before we started that like mm. somebody didn't like my vaccine article, but they refused to um, tweet the link. They screenshot a part of it and then they tweet that. And when I confronted this person- Cowardly. Who I, who yeah. I thought was, you know- somebody who believes in enlightenment values, uh, reason and the ability of the audience to decide who is right, um, you know, there was kind of an evasive answer um, as to why they didn't link to it. But uh, one of the commenters pointed out that like, we don't link to disinformation. Oh, good Lord. Yeah, and I was like, well, you know what? Um, it, it's not, it's disinformation in your eyes, but you are incorrect, my friend. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because it is in fact very correct. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. And, and I think we, we owe it, um, to people to, I think like more than any belief you believe in, I believe in the value, allowing people to use their brains to figure out what's right or wrong. Right. And, and that means Facebook can't be trigger happy with this algorithm. Right. That means people should actually give the link to your opponent's argument if you're gonna debate them. Yeah. You know. It should, that, that's the simplest thing. Put a link, hey, there's an opposing view here. That's fine. They, they did that on a <laughs> shirt I posted. You know what I mean? <laughs> we sell these like alt middle shirts and like we have a shirt that um, it says vaccinated and it's got a 5G tower and all this. So what happened was someone got in Twitter prison for even mentioning the shirt. Really? Yeah, because it said 5G and vaccine, and that was all it took to trigger the algorithm Jeez. to go, uh, misinformation. I'm like, this is a pro-vaccine <clears throat> tongue-in-cheek joke shirt. I saw somebody had a shirt that said... Um, uh, don't worry, I'm vaccinated. Um, but like now with the new messaging, they'd be like, uh, <laughs> but still following all yeah, the precautions. Still, yeah, <laughs> still, still have four masks on. <laughs> right. Every precaution I otherwise would follow. That's right, that's right. I, I, I we, guess, we cut out every other swing. <laughs> I guess to me, the most disingenuous part of this debate was, um, you know, we know a lot of doctors in our lives. Too many, I would say. Yeah, too many. Yeah, that's way the too problem. Many. That's yeah. bad dinner party. It you know? is terrible. Dinner. Everyone thinks they know every damn oh, thing. Oh God! <laughs> but and it always goes to medicine. Always goes yeah. to medicine. <laughs> well, sometimes I like. But um, yeah, yeah. Me but too. Um, 
I don't know anybody who's practicing what they preach on this issue. <laughs> that's what that's what gets me every yeah, time. Yeah, no. That, see, that's the thing. I, I don't know if it was you I was talking to about this where we say, oh, you know, we're, we're talking about what we're saying we're doing on Twitter and we have the virtue signaling of the 20 masks and the avatar. But then they're going and doing the opposite. I mean, yeah, I and it's because it's again, like I think they're using their own calculation. Of risk benefit. Of risk benefit, which and, is what you would want them to do. And and one of the things that is a benefit is the benefit of human connection. Right. Which it turns out is a real it's thing. A real it's thing. a real thing. That, and it's hard to quantify, Yeah. right? But that, what is the price of, I mean, your parents are in their, they're in their 80s, right? Yeah, my dad is, yeah. What's the price of hugging your mother? I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's worth yeah, a lot of money. It's worth, it's worth, and and it's worth a lot of a lot of stuff and, to a and, lot of people. Yeah, you know, the the parents are conditioned in fear now. Like they're nervous even after vaccinations. Should we all be wearing masks? Should we? You know? And and I'm like, well, you know, we got to understand risk in the end. Yeah. And uh, you know, it, what's crazy is like how bad I feel right now after the second vaccine. Like I don't want COVID. Like imagine what COVID yeah, is like. Be. Like that, rough hole. yeah, I'm like, I'm telling you guys right now, if you can get the vaccine and you're in line, in the right part of the line, go get the vaccine. Because <laughs> you, you do not want uh, You don't want blown. COVID, no, no of you course don't want, not. No, it's no, no. terrible. Now, now what's interesting is one, actually even one of our supporters, uh, we were doing a show the other day, um, their child diagnosed with MISC. Mm. And, um, you know, uh, it got IVIG and all that, and it's interesting. So, there, it's a it's a rare thing, but you know, you, when you have a pandemic, you still see this stuff, and yeah. then it, it conditions you, right? You're like, well, I don't want my kid to get MISC, even though you know the risk calculation technically is not very high. Very similar to the the point in the height book about how at, at a time where child abduction was dropping to record lows, right. parents were most unwilling to let their kids um, walk to playgrounds alone. Um, you know, I mean, a, a lot has changed about how the risks that parents are willing to let children take yeah. um, from, you know, I'm sure when my parents grew up in the 50s and 60s um, to when I grew up in the 80s and 90s to now 2020, where the the risk is very different. Yeah, it's much lower. You're not sitting in the back of a station wagon without a seatbelt. <clears throat> you know, the... Uh, Everything's gotten safer. I mean, it's Pinkerism, right? It's like Stephen Pinker said, yes. enlightenment now. Things are getting better, getting yet better. we don't feel that way. Largely because I think we have media that, that does that. And, and our own, the way we're wired is to detect downside and fear the risk and, and threat detection. That's funny you say that about uh, station wagons because when I was growing <laughs> up, um, we had a rule, seat belts uh, in the front seat. But right. in the back seat, obviously, you didn't need them. You're uh, safe. You're safe, right. obviously. There's a seat in front of you. Although, when I was, we literally got in a car accident when I was oh, a young wow. kid, and I was in the back seat, and I ended up on the windshield. Oh, Boom. my God. And we still didn't wear, <laughs> so we still didn't learn our lesson. We still didn't learn. We still didn't learn. <laughs> you know? And it just goes to show. Well, they uh, just had those lap belts back then, too, and yeah. those are just cut you right in half. <laughs> I don't think that anything will be saved. Yeah. No, yeah, those exactly. Lap belts. Yeah. Oh, that dude. was another interesting thing. Yeah, they didn't believe in the shoulder harness in the back right. seat. Right. Yeah. It, it's really fascinating the world gets safer and yet we feel the opposite now we have big problems right there's huge problems but i don't know man optimism is warranted yeah like look at this pandemic dude it's been a shit show but we got the like five vaccines uh, i i know of it's, ridiculous efficacy i wouldn't have guessed it nope. i have to say you know i would have been a little critical that it would come so quickly and as efficacious as it has been right um but you know what? People find a way to be pessimistic about oh, it. Every day I read the paper, it's like, um, it's like, it's not 100%. That's I was like, oh my God, what do you want, yeah, man? Yeah, just say the V word, variant. <laughs> oh, and the press just loves it. They're like, wait, we're running out of... You can just imagine Mr. Burns with his cat, like just sitting there, well, Smithers, it looks like the pandemic's going a little too well. What's new? Variants? Oh, <laughs> excellent. Variants. 
And then Vaccine even though, escape. Yeah, they talk about it, and I think it's something to think about. Yeah, definitely. And, however, we have Pfizer data, a preprint. We have Moderna data showing that the that even the known variants, South Africa, Brazil, are covered, although six-fold lower. Right. Still, neutralizing titers are quite good. Right. So and, severe disease probably prevented. Exactly. Yeah. That's what I believe will be the case. Right. And we shall see. So right. I, I'm still optimistic. My I have an optimism. Um, but I do note this is what the Wall Street Journal said. I'm pretty sure it's Wall Street Journal. It said, um, according to a not peer-reviewed preprint, okay, the Pfizer vaccine still has this neutralizing antibody. Yeah, right. right. And then I was like, okay, this not peer-reviewed um, preprint is by Pfizer, yeah. the company that made the vaccine. So you know what's going to happen in peer review? Nothing. Nothing. It's, it's the Pfizer team. They're really fucking good at this. Can I say that? They're really good at this. They didn't screw up. This is the answer. You don't need to say all that not peer reviewed. That not peer reviewed stuff is for like the academic who, who's publishing some retrospective chart review paper. It's not for when Pfizer tells you that this, this is the real thing. Man, I'm so uh, glad you went off the rails for a second because I told Marty on the show yesterday, I go, it's fun to get... When you get Vinay riled up by the end of the show, <laughs> he starts going off the rails, and it's the oh, best the thing. Rails? It's the best thing. He's just like, guys are fucking. And, and I do the same thing, but yeah. I do it from the beginning of the show I all the way through. <laughs> I got too disinhibited. Well, maybe that tells us we're, we're no, wrapping up. No, it's good but, stuff. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, my point is that like you know they're putting in all these caveats to put yeah. in caveats, but the reality is this is Pfizer telling you this. It's done in their lab. The yeah. same people who made the thing work. Yep. Um, and for all the faults, I've been the most critical of the industry. These are the sorts of things they tend to not to screw up, you yeah. know? Okay, yeah. They know the stakes. Yeah. They know what they're doing, yeah. exactly. Awesome, man. Anything else you wanna hit? No, I think we, we, a, we, we covered all the, all the things that we, yeah. we are safe without to talk about. Oh, man. <laughs> I, I'm sure I crossed like three or four lines. I was like, oh, there's this and there's that, and now I'm gonna get canceled again. It's well, worth it. I think it, the, the less attention paid to people who dislike content, the better. There's there's plenty of content, and I guess, I guess the last thing I'd say is like, you know, um, People who don't like my op-ed, people who don't like whatever our point of view is, write your own op-ed, write yeah. your own point of view. Yeah. This is a war of ideas. Yeah. I'm gonna keep fighting my war for whatever ideas I happen to believe in in the moment. You fight your war. Yeah. Exactly. But I'm gonna win. I'm, you I'm that, gonna win. I'm yeah, gonna win. exactly. I'm gonna win. Because yeah. I'm smarter than you. Exactly. <laughs> no, I wouldn't say that. I think I have the I have a good reasons for there why I believe. You go. It, I mean, yeah. if you didn't believe that, you wouldn't take the time to write. That's it. Yeah. The things I'm writing on are things I've thought about, and yeah. I have a good reason why I think that way. That's right. That's right. Now, speaking of good reasons, if you guys don't have good reason to support the show mm -hmm. as a subscriber on Facebook, you like how I segued into the yeah, pitch. you should uh, on Facebook, locals, or YouTube. Then um, I don't know what is a good reason, but even if you don't have that, just share the show. Leave a comment. Tell us what you think about what we've talked about. Check out Vinay's um, plenary session podcast because it's fantastic. You could be the fourth listener. The fourth listener. <laughs> you too could be the you fourth listener. You too could be the fourth listener. Exactly. <laughs> and uh, we'll see you next time, brother. Yeah. And we out. Peace. Become a subscriber. Click the subscribe button. Then right to the right of his little bell. Hit that bell. Booyah! You get notifications. Never miss any of our stuff. I love you guys. We out.